hello friends, brothers and sisters, children of God. Welcome back to Jack the Bridge. In a moment, we'll continue the read through chapter 31 of Nikos Katz and Zacchaeus, The Last Temptation of Christ. A note, this chapter is in, enveloped in three completely surreal chapters. All of this is Katz and Zacchaeus hypothetical tape take on of the final inner completely mindful possibility of the temptation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I'm not going to add any other words to this other than the cautionary note. These aren't all, these aren't my words. So in case any, any um, generalizations hurt anyone's feelings, I can't apologize to you for that. I'm just sharing these words and they are beautifully put together by an absolute master of literature, even a full language over from Greek to English in this translation. Chapter 31. All night long, Jesus skimmed over the ground wrapped in green wings and hugging the angel tightly around the waist. A large moon had climbed into the sky. It was odd tonight, and Mary, on it, instead of seeing Cain slay Abel, you saw a wide, happy mouth, two peaceful eyes and two well-nourished cheeks bathed in light. The fully circular face of a night-roaming woman in love. The trees fled. The night birds spoke like human beings. The mountain opened drew the two nocturnal wanderers within the and closed again behind them. What happiness this is to fly, skimming over the earth, just as we do in our dreams. Life has become a dream. Can this be the meaning of paradise? He wanted to ask the angel, but remained quiet, for he feared that by speaking he might wake himself up. He looked around him. How very light the spirits of the stones, the air, the mountain had become. As when you sit with friends, your heart heavy, and the cool wine comes and you drink, and little by little your mind lightens, hovers, sails above your head, becomes a rosy cloud, and the world, all gold and air, is reflected on it upside down. Once more, he started to turn in order to speak to the angel, but the other placed his finger on his lips, smiled at him, and gently told him to be still. They must have neared some village, for the cocks were announcing the daybreak. 
The moon had now rolled behind the mountains and dawn peacefully illuminated the world. The earth grew sober. Time became sensible again. Mountain, village, and olive grove went back and stood once more where God had placed them to await the end of the world. Here was the beloved road. There, the compassionate village of Bethany amid its olives, figs, and vineyards. There, too, was the refreshing house of friendship with the holy loom and the lighted fire and the two sisters, the two sleepless flames. Here we are, said the angel. Smoke was rising from the flue of the roof. The two sisters must have already awakened and lighted the fire. Jesus of Nazareth, said the angel, unwrapping his wing from around him. The two sisters lighted a fire, did the milking first thing in the morning, and are now preparing the milk for you. On our way, didn't you want to ask me the meaning of paradise? Thousands of small joys, Jesus of Nazareth, to knock at a door, to have a woman open it for you, to sit down in front of the fire, to watch her lay the table for you, and when it is completely dark, to feel her take you in her arms. That is the way the Savior comes, gradually. From embrace to embrace, son to son, that is the road. I understand, said Jesus. He stopped in front of the indigo-colored door and grasped the knocker, but the angel held him back. Don't be in a hurry, he said. Listen, we'd better not separate anymore. I'm afraid to leave you all alone and undefended, so I'll come with you. I'll turn myself into a Negro boy, the one you saw under the lemon trees, and you can say I'm a young slave who runs errands for you. I don't want you to take the wrong road again and get lost. No sooner had he spoken than a Negro boy stood before Jesus. His head reached the man's knees. He had broad, wide teeth, two golden rings in his ears, and he was holding a basket filled to overflowing. Here, master, he said with a smile, gifts for the two sisters, silk clothing, earrings, bracelets, fans made of precious feathers, and the complete feminine armor. Now you can knock at the door. Jesus knocked. He heard the sound of clogs in the yard, and then a sweet voice called, Who's there? Jesus blushed scarlet. He recognized the voice it was Mary's. The door opened and the two sisters fell at his feet. Rabbi, we worship your passion. We salute your holy resurrection. Welcome. Allow me to touch your breast, Rabbi, to see if it's really you, said Mary. Mary, he's flesh, real flesh, Martha exclaimed. Flesh, like us, don't you see? And look... There's his shadow on the doorstep. Jesus listened and smiled. He felt the two sisters touching him, smelling him, rejoicing. Martha and Mary, twin flames, it's fine to see you. Tranquil, humble, courteous house of men, it's fine to see you. We are still alive. We still hunger, act, and weep. Glory be to God.
While still talking and greeting the two sisters, he entered the house. It's fine to see you, fireplace and loom and kneading trough and table and pitcher and beloved lamp, faithful servants of women. I bow and worship your grace. When woman arrives at the gate of paradise, she will stop and ask, Lord, will my companions enter too? What companions? God will ask her. Here, the trough, cradle, lamp, pitcher, and loom. If they don't go in, neither do I. And good-hearted God will laugh. Your women, can I refuse you a favor? Enter, all of you. Paradise is full of troughs, cradles, and looms. I have no place left for the saints. The two women laughed. Turning, they saw the small Negro with the overflowing basket. Rabbi, who is this, this boy? Mary asked. I like his teeth. Jesus sat down in front of the hearth. They brought milk, honey, and whole wheat bread. Jesus' eyes filled with tears. Seven heavens were not big enough for me, he said. Nor the seven great virtues, nor the seven great ideas. And now, what miracle is this, my sisters? A tiny house is big enough for me, and a mouthful of bread, and the simple words of a woman. He marched up and down the house as its master, brought in an armful of vine branches from the yard, fed the fire. The flames leaped up. He bent over the well, drew water, and drank. He put out his hands, placed them on the shoulders of Martha and Mary, and took possession of them. Dearest Martha and Mary, he said, I shall change my name. They killed your brother, whom I raised from the dead. I shall come and sit in the place where he sat, here in the corner. I shall take his ox goat, and I shall plow, sow, and harvest his fields. When I return in the evening, my sisters will wash my weary feet and lay the table for me. Then I shall sit by the fire on his stool. My name is Lazarus. While he spoke, the small Negro bewitched him with his large eyes. The more he looked at him, the more Jesus' face changed, as did his whole body, head, chest, thighs, Hands and feet, he grew more and more to resemble Lazarus, a ripe, mature Lazarus, all health and strength, with a bull neck, sunburned chest, and huge, gnarled hands. The two sisters watched this metamorphosis in the half-light and trembled. I've changed body. I've changed soul. Hello! I proclaim war against poverty and fasting. The soul is a lively animal. It wants to eat. The mouth beneath my beard and mustache is the soul's mouth. The only mouth the soul has. I declare war against chastity. An infant sits mute and numb in the womb of every woman. Open the doors and let him out. He who does not beget murders are you crying, Mary? How else can I respond, Rabbi? We women have no other answer. Martha opened wide her arms. We women, she said, 
Our two arms incurably open. Come in, my rabbi. Sit down. Command. You are the master of the house. Jesus' face shone. I've finished wrestling with God, he said. We have become friends. I won't build crosses anymore. I'll build troughs, cradles, bedsteads. I'll send a message to have my tools brought from Nazareth. I'll have my embittered mother come too, so that she can bring up her grandchildren and feel some sweetness on her lips at last. Poor thing. One of the women leaned her bosom against his knees. The other took his hand and would not let it go. In front of the fire, the small Negro had propped his cheek on his knees and was pretending to sleep. But from between his long eyelashes, his black eyes watched Jesus and the two women and a sly, contented smile spread across his face. Mary, her bosom leaning against Jesus' knees, was speaking. I was sitting at the loom, Rabbi, working your passion across with thousands and thousands of swallows all around into a white blanket. I was shuttling the black and red threads and singing a dirge, and you heard me, pitied me, and came. Martha waited quietly for her sister to finish. Then she commenced, I know nothing except how to knead bread, wash clothes, and say yes. Those are my only graces, Rabbi. I have a premonition that you'll choose my sister as your wife, but allow me to breathe in the air of married life along with you. Allow me to make and air your beds and take charge of all the household needs. She stopped, sighed, and then the girls of our village sing a song, a very bitter song. They sing it in the springtime, the days when the birds sit on their eggs. Instead of reciting it, let me sing it to you so that you'll understand because its bitterness lies in the tune. Ho, you beardless stalwarts, I'm weary of selling, of selling myself. And finding no buyer, I offer all at a bargain, including myself, first come, first served. Whoever gives me a swallow's egg, I shall grant him my lips. Whoever gives me an eagle's egg, I shall grant him my breasts. And whoever gives me a stab, I shall grant him my heart. Her eyes filled with tears. Mary entwined her arms around the man's waist as though she feared he was going to be taken from her. Martha felt a knife pierce her heart, but she gathered up courage and spoke again. Rabbi, I want to say just one more thing to you, and then I'll get up and leave you with Mary. Once there was a robust landowner named Boaz who lived near here in Bethlehem. It was summer, and his slaves had reaped, threshed, winnowed, and made stacks on the threshing floor, the wheat on the right, the chef on the left. He lay down between the two stacks and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, a poor woman named Ruth came quietly in order not to waken him and sat at his feet. She was a childless widow and had suffered much. The man felt her warmth of her body at his feet. 
He lowered his hand, searched, found her, and raised her to his breast. Do you understand, Rabbi? Yes, speak no more. I'm leaving, said Martha, and she rose. The two remained alone, taking a mat and a blanket which was decorated with a cross and the swallows. They went up to the roof of the house. A merciful cloud covered the sun. They hid under the embroidered blanket so that God would not see them and began to caress each other. Once the cover slipped off a moment and Jesus opened his eyes. He saw the Negro boy sitting on the edge of the roof. He was holding a shepherd's pipe and piping, his eyes staring off, far off in the direction of Jerusalem. The next day, the whole village stopped by to admire the new Lazarus. The small Negro ran errands, drew water from the well, milked the ewes, helped Martha to start the fire, and then curled up on the doorstep and played his pipe. Loaded with gifts of ears of corn, milk, dates, or honey, the villagers came to greet the strange visitor who looked so much like Lazarus. They saw the Negro on the doorstep, teased him, and laughed. He laughed, too. The blind village chief entered, put out his hand, and examined Jesus' knees, thighs, and shoulders. Then he shook his head and burst out laughing. Humph! Are you all blind? He yelled at the villagers, who had filled the yard. This isn't Lazarus! His breath doesn't smell the same. His flesh is kneaded differently, and his bones are held firmly together by plenty of meat. A cleaver couldn't separate them. Jesus sat in the yard, braided together truths and lies, and laughed. Don't be afraid, lads. I'm not Lazarus. It's all over with him. It's just that my name is Lazarus, Master Lazarus. I'm a carpenter. An angel with green wings led me to this house, and I entered. He looked at the Negro, who had doubled up with laughter. Time ran on like immortal water and irrigated the world. The grain matured, the grapes began to glisten, the olives filled with oil, the blossoming pomegranate trees bore fruit. Autumn overtook them. Winter arrived and their son was born. Lying in after the birth, Mary, the weaver, admired the newborn with no end of admiration. My God, how did this miracle issue from my womb? I drank of the immortal water, she would say with a smile. I drank of the immortal water and I shall not die. It is deep night and raining, welcoming heaven into its bowels. The gaping earth turns it into mud. Master Lazarus, stretched out in the deep of night, amid half-finished cradles and troughs on the wood shavings of his workshop, listens to the thunder and thinks about his newborn son and about God. He is pleased. It is the first time that God has entered his mind in the form of a child. In the adjoining room, he hears him cry and laugh, hears him dance at his mother's feet. Is God then so close, he thinks, stroking his black beard? Are the rosy soles of his feet so tender 
Is he so ticklish? Does he laugh so easily, this almighty God, when the fingers of man caress him? The small Negro yawned. He had pretended to be asleep in the other corner next to the door. Hearing the mother cuddle the newborn, she smiled with satisfaction. Now in the night, when no one saw him, he had become an angel again and was relaxing. His green wings spread over the shavings. Jesus, are you awake? He whispered in the darkness. Jesus pretended not to hear. It pleased him immensely to remain silent and listen to the newborn in the quiet of the night. But he smiled. He had become much endeared to this Negro. All day long, the boy ran errands for him and helped him shape the wood. Then in the evening, when the day's work was finished, he sat on the doorstep and piped for him. Listening, Jesus would forget the day's toil. And when the first star appeared, they would all sit down together at the same table to eat. And the Negro would chuckle and joke ceaselessly, teasing poor Martha and embarrassing her on the account of her virginity. Out of my homeland, Ethiopia, he would say, laughing and eyeing Martha coquettishly. We don't hide our inner longings and fret our hearts as you, as do you Jews. We discuss our desires honestly, openly, and act on them. If I want to eat a banana, who cares if it's my own or someone else's? I eat it. If I want to go for a swim, I go for a swim. If I want to kiss a woman, I kiss her. And our God doesn't scold us either. He's black and he loves the blacks. He wears golden rings in his ears, and he, too, does whatever he pleases. He is our big brother. We both have the same mother, Knight. Does your God die? Martha asked one evening to tease him. So long as a single Negro is alive, our God will not die, the Negro answered, stooping to tickle the sole of Martha's foot. Each night, as soon as the lamp was extinguished, the guardian angel unfolded his wings in the darkness and laid himself down next to his companion. They spoke together in whispers so that no one would hear, and the angel gave advice for the following day. Then he became the Negro boy again, crept over the wood shavings to his place and went to sleep. But tonight he could not sleep. Jesus, are you awake? He repeated, raising his voice. When he saw that he received no answer, he jumped up, came close to Jesus, and gave him a push. Oh, Master Lazarus, I know you're not asleep. Why don't you answer? I don't want to talk. I'm happy, said Jesus, closing his eyes. Are you satisfied with me? Asked the angel with pride. Have you any complaints? No, none, my boy, none. His heart grew warm, rose up. What an evil road I took to find God, he murmured. What a forsaken incline, all cliffs and precipices. I called and called. My voice rebounded from the uninhabited mountain, and I thought it was an answer. The angel laughed. Alone, you cannot find God. Two persons are needed a man and a woman. You didn't know that. I taught it to you, and thus 
After so many years of seeking God, you finally found him. When you joined Mary, and now you sit in the darkness, you listen to him laugh and cry, and you rejoice. That is the meaning of God, Jesus murmured. That is the meaning of man. This is the road. And he again closed his eyes. His former life flashed through his mind and he sighed, extending his arm. He found the angel's hand. My guardian angel, he said tenderly, if you had not come, my boy, I would have been lost. Stay near me always. I shall. Don't be afraid. I won't leave you. I like you. How long will this happiness last? As long as I'm with you and you're with me, Jesus of Nazareth. For all eternity? The angel laughed. What is eternity? Haven't you been able yet to get rid of the big words, Jesus of Nazareth, of big words, big ideas, kingdoms of heaven? Does this mean that even your son hasn't succeeded in curing you? He banged his fist on the ground. Here is the kingdom of heaven, earth. Here is God, your son. Here is eternity each moment. Jesus of Nazareth, each moment that passes. Moments aren't enough for you. If so, you must learn that eternity will not be either. He was silent. Light footsteps were heard in the yard and bare feet approached. Who's there? Jesus asked, getting up. A woman, answered the angel with a smile. He went and unbolted the door. What woman? The angel shook his finger as though scolding him. I told you once before, have you forgotten? There is only one woman in the world, one with innumerable faces. One of those faces is coming. Get up and greet it. I'm leaving. Like a snake, he slid into the shavings and vanished. The bare feet halted outside the door. Turning toward the wall, Jesus closed his eyes and pretended to be asleep. A hand pushed open the door, and a woman slid inside, holding her breath. She went forward slowly, reached the corner where Jesus lay, and without talking and making a noise, rolled herself up at his feet. Jesus felt the warmth rise from the soles of his feet to his knees, thighs, heart, and neck. He lowered his hand found the tresses, and examined the woman's face, throat, and breasts in the darkness. She stooped all expectations and submission and did not speak, but her flesh trembled and her entire body was covered with a frosty sweat. The man spoke softly, tenderly, full of compassion. Who are you? The woman trembled and did not speak, Jesus was sorry. He asked for once again, he had forgotten the angel's words of what importance was her name, where she came from, or the shape, color, beauty, or ugliness of her face. It was the feminine face of the earth. 
Her womb was smothering her. Many sons and daughters were within, suffocating and unable to emerge. She had come to the man so that he might open a way for them. Jesus' heart overflowed with compassion. I am Ruth, the woman murmured, trembling. Ruth? What Ruth? Martha. And that concludes chapter 31. So wherever you find yourself today and whatever you find yourself doing, know always that Jesus Christ loves you. And I do too. Well, the sun's up. Birds are singing away. I think they're cardinals out there, the louder ones. But uh, thanks for being here. Have an awesome day. Godspeed. Delaney and Bonnie and friends. Brother Dwayne Alvin here on slide.